The running time for this Rain Hamcast podcast is 14 minutes 40 seconds, with a station break at 8 minutes 50 seconds. Short pauses for echo link and all-star timer resets occur approximately every 2 minutes 50 seconds. This is the Rain Hamcast podcast, number 93, for July 29th, 2023. I'm Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, sitting in for Will Rogers, K5WLR, while he helps his wife mend from a serious illness. When you passed your license exam and received your ham radio call sign, you learned that FCC Part 97 rules and regs restrict just what bands on which you can operate, how often you're required to ID your station, and so forth. But did you know that for years the FCC has been issuing licenses to those in the so-called experimental radio service, with far fewer restrictions than on your ham ticket? The Shortwave Modernization Coalition has filed a petition with the FCC to advance the Experimental Service License Part 5 users to Part 90 commercial users. For some answers and clarification, we turn to Ben Cobb, AK4AV, who you longtime Rain Report listeners will remember from his editing of the FCC Tech News during the 1990s. He was a regular Rain contributor during the 90s. For decades, Ben has edited the Experimental Radio News. I became interested in the experimental radio service actually because of a funny story. I found an experimental license at the FCC for horse racing, and I wondered, what the heck is that? It turned out that the applicant for the experimental license was involved in horse racing, and he wanted to expand the potential audience for horse racing. His reasoning was that if people did not have to travel so far to the racetracks, then more people would enjoy horse racing. So his solution for that was indoor horse racing. There were a couple of problems with this. One is that racehorses need a lot of space, especially to make the turns. And so the venues that he considered really did not have room for what the horses really needed. So his solution for that was to use a smaller breed of horse. But these smaller horses, while they could race indoors, theoretically, were too small to hold a human rider. So instead of putting a human jockey on the horses, he put radio-controlled robots, and that's the reason for the FCC experimental license. This was an early example of digital technology used outside the military context. Security was really important for this project. You could not have someone else controlling your horse, maybe hacking into your radio signal, making your horse run away. So they used a digital technology. I believe it was spread spectrum at the time. This is in the 1980s. One of my professors back in graduate school said, Ben, this horse racing thing is cool. You need to keep on top of that. My professor later became the chief engineer of the FCC, so I listened closely to what he said, and so these many years I have been covering experimental licenses. And the experimental radio service has become a bit more important in the last few weeks here because of the filing of an important petition from something called the Shortwave Modernization Coalition, and I'll come back to that in a moment. Most radio services have their spectrum allocations, right? In amateur radio, we have specific bands that we're allowed to operate in, satellites and mobile phones and television. All these radio services are allocated their specific bands and then assigned licenses to use those bands, except for the experimental radio service. It has no spectrum allocations of its own. 
It's where you have to go if you're doing research or developing a product or need to do some kind of demonstration and you do not have a regular radio license. So you have to choose frequencies to use and argue to the FCC that you will not cause interference to any existing radio user by following the experimental radio service very closely. The FCC issues many thousands of these licenses. Many of them are for defense uses. Vehicle radar is another hot area of development. But a few years ago, we started to see more HF experimental licenses. When you file an application for an experimental license, of course you're required to tell the FCC what frequencies you want to use, where your station will be, who you are, and so on. But you can request the FCC to keep the other information confidential. So these HF stations we started to see more and more of told the FCC that their detailed narratives must be kept from public exposure. So it was not obvious what they were doing. But over time, it became clear that these stations are engaged in data communications for trading operations. They're transmitting data typically from the Chicago and New York areas to foreign receiving stations for high-speed trading of financial products. And in a few cases, the FCC did say that these licenses could not be used to provide regular revenue-generating services. Usually the experimental radio service is not for ongoing business, it's for scientific research. But more and more of these stations started popping up and people began hearing mysterious data transmissions on the air, not always with station identification. And most recently, some of the companies operating these stations have revealed more of what they've been up to because they filed a petition with the FCC that would essentially have moved them from the experimental service into regular business frequency allocations. Something I think is quite interesting is that in this petition, which has already received a great deal of attention from the ARRL and many amateurs who are filing comments opposing it at the FCC, these companies that filed the petition as a shortwave modernization coalition say they've never received any complaints of interference from their operations. Specifically, what they say is, and this is a quote in their petition, over the course of several years of experimental operations, none of the SMC members or their respective subsidiaries or affiliates that hold an experimental license has received a verified complaint of harmful interference attributable to their experimental operations in the 2 to 25 megahertz band from either the commission or another 2 to 25 megahertz band licensee including other experimental licenses unquote the fact is that experimental licensees always say they never got any complaints of interference but this has to be taken with a grain of salt hap if you hear an interfering signal on the radio you do not automatically know who it is what it is or where it's coming from and if they do not transmit any form of station id it can be quite difficult to identify the station we don't know if these existing experimental hf stations have been transmitting any id while the part 5 rules do include an identification requirement the fcc in most cases doesn't prescribe or 
draw attention to that requirement. And these stations are transmitting encrypted data communications anyway. So my guess is that the vast majority of them have either not been sending IDs at all, or been sending them infrequently, or been sending them in some mode where it is not at all obvious who they are, where they are, what they're transmitting. Remember again that the essential descriptions of these stations is held confidential by the FCC and cannot be read by anyone but FCC staff and people connected with that particular station. So this petition could bring many, many new stations to the shortwave spectrum, and amateurs are very understandably concerned about the potential for interference to ham operations. The maximum transmitter power would be 20 kilowatts, as proposed by this coalition. They would need to operate on multiple frequencies in order to overcome the shifts in propagation effectiveness caused by solar and terrestrial propagation conditions. You're listening to the thoughts of Ben Cobb, AK4AV, a longtime resident and technical writer in the Washington, D.C. area. Ben will conclude his thoughts about the Shortwave Modernization Coalition petition to the FCC in a moment. This is Rain Hamcast Podcast number 93 for July 29, 2023. I'm Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, sitting in for Will Rogers, K5WLR. We'll be right back after this station ID. You're listening to the Rain Hamcast on the RainReport.com and on the Rain Report page on YouTube. I fully expect the ARRL to file a detailed response with the FCC, and it's worth noting that this is only a petition. In the meantime, there are additional experimental stations being licensed. In fact, I was just looking at one that has added some facilities. Most of these experimental operators are with companies that are not well-known, you would not recognize. Hap, you're in the state of Illinois, and there is a particular HF station that recently added to its facilities. This station is in Lockport and in Orland Park in Cook County, and they've just added transmitters in East Graham, Washington, and Mount Cleary, Washington. This company is called Falcon Ion. The call sign is WM2XHW, Whiskey Mike 2, X-Ray Hotel Whiskey. Every experimental radio service license has the letter X as the first letter of the suffix. So that's the first letter following the numeral in the call sign. This is how you can tell it's an ERS station. Falcon Ion was assigned many frequency bands. I'm looking at 7 megahertz, 9 megahertz, 10, 12, 14, 15, 18 megahertz from all of these transmitters operating at 16 kilowatts ERP. But I have seen some of these experimental stations licensed with as much as 800,000 watts ERP. Something I thought that was curious about this shortwave petition is that it says very little about station identification. A station ID is obviously very useful in resolving a complaint of interference. In amateur radio, we're required to identify our station. Any ham that's law-abiding should be proud to give his or her call sign. If they don't ID, that's not good conduct and it is a violation. But what about these HF experimental stations that want to go into regular operation? One in particular is a station in New York. In the petition, they say they've never received 
complaints of interference in several years of operation. But this station is exempt from the ID requirement. The FCC exempted it without saying why. Now, am I saying this station did anything wrong? No, I have no idea. I'm not saying that they didn't ID. We have no information about that. The details are withheld from public inspection. We know that they're exempt from ID. That exemption is on the license. The petition says this station has an ID capability, but not how they actually used it or how often they ID'd if they really did. Which band? They're authorized 12 HF bands. Which mode did they use to ID? They're authorized 21 different emission modes. And HEP, this station is a big dog. It's authorized 145,994 watts effective radiated power but it's not required to ID. Does that seem strange to you? It does to me. Another factor complicating this is that since 2020, the FCC has had three applications for licenses from companies that are not part of this shortwave coalition. They want to get into the business as international broadcast stations transmitting DRM, Digital Radio Mondial, but it is well known for at least two of the stations that their real mission is very likely going to be data communication for high-speed trading. The third licensee is called Herms Tech of New York. They actually got a construction permit from the FCC, and they've built their station, according to them, in New Jersey at the site of the famous Armstrong Tower. But they do not have an operating license. They've not actually been on the air in regular operations. This would also be a DRM station. So what's going to happen with all this? I expect the commission to put all of these issues together, and perhaps sometime later this year, we will see a full notice of proposed rulemaking, And this will be, in my view, the first comprehensive rulemaking proceeding dealing with the high-frequency spectrum since the 1940s. And that concludes Part 1 of our visit with Ben Cobb, AK4AV, editor of Experimental Radio News, commenting on the Shortwave Modernization Coalition FCC petition to convert the Experimental Radio Service licenses from Part 5 to Part 90 commercial users. We'll hear from Ben again next time with his thoughts on the future of AM radios in American automobiles, another issue the FCC has recently grappled with. I'm Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, sitting in for Will Rogers, K5WLR, Rain founder, Hap Holly, KC9RP, edits and produces this bi-weekly ham radio hamcast without monetization. Your support via PayPal and feedback on therainreport.com are appreciated. Copyright 1985-2023. Rain, all rights reserved. I'm Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, bidding you a very 73 from the Radio Amateur Information Network. Keep on hammin'.